0: The mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable
1: wherever you are in ireland the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with mayfly soon
0: and to help you improve your catch rate this season we've used a mayfly tactics masterclass with international angler guide and renowned tire jackie Mann.
1: if you want to learn about setup tactics conditions and flies then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and jackie's notes
0: If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.
1: Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Flight podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. Now, this latest episode is a little bit different and a bit more far-flung as I've recently returned from a week fly fishing for Sea Run Arctic Char in Greenland and what an experience it was. So, you're going to hear from the local Inuit, the Danish chef, the German camp manager and even the Welsh guide to get an insight into what made the trip so special. And Tom, I have to say, it's one that's off my bucket list now.
0: Yeah, I'm incredibly jealous and I'm really looking forward to hearing about it. Really am. Um... So I mean, like, where do I, I? I don't know where to start. But like, <laughs> like we had a brief. We, we we just said before we did this for the listeners out there that we were going to go straight into this because I was I was about to ask you, Darren, straight away. and I said, No, no, we'll wait till we're recording. Yeah, don't spoil but it. I, don't,
1: spoiler don't spoil alert: it. There was fish caught. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> so come here. What was it like?
1: Ah, just like mind blowing, amazing, incredible. Um the one thing I would say it's got under my skin now, that kind of uh destination angling, is that what they call it? Uh where where you where you you mortgage the house every few years to go on one of these trips. Like um, it was just yeah, like even the last few days we were like, Okay, Patagonia, right? When can we do Patagonia 2024? Right, let's you know, Alaska, when's that? You know, it was just like it's literally like the only way I can it we'll talk about the fishing in a minute, obviously, but like it's like, it was like just the adventure of it, you know? Um, it was three days to get there. Well, it actually took us four originally, right? So wow. flew Dublin to Copenhagen. Uh, you stay overnight in Copenhagen. Then you fly Copenhagen to Kangalusak, which is their international airport in Greenland. Then we, you, can, you get a connecting flight, which is only 40 minutes um, down or up the coast because basically there's no, there's no roads in Greenland. It's because the interior is just mountains and snow. So, mm-hmm. all the local villages are all around the coast. So, the only way they get around is by either boat or airplane. There, so are, there isn't actually a road network. There's no road network. Yeah. Wow. Try putting in Google Maps to go from Island <laughs> to Manasta. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah, because, like, literally the interior is just snow and mountains. Like, it's, it's unreal. Like, as you were flying in, and it was even like it took my breath away as we were flying in, and you just get that first. Picture of it, like you're just like wow, this this is different. The best way I can describe it is, it's like the land the time forgot, or like going back in time. Yeah. You know, it's th- th- there's no people, it's untouched, it's just raw, raw wilderness.
0: So when you the place you flew into from your connecting flight, it was 40 minutes from their international hub. Uh, what was that? It was obviously was it a village?
1: No, so but, but yeah, so well, first off. We were 24 hours in the, in the airport because there was a storm further south. So we, uh, we were being told, oh, yeah, the flight's been delayed by five hours. Then it was like, no, you know, your flight's cancelled. No, it's back on. So it's this storm, which was brewing. So all flights were cancelled. So we spent 24 hours in the airport. So we were getting a bit cabin fever at that stage. Finally, the next morning we got out um, and basically what is this place called Manistock and what it is, is it's basically a fish town essentially. So there's a a government owns the fish factory there. So all the fishermen are based there. They bring in their limit of cod and then um, the government obviously buys it off them. And that's how they make the living. There's only 2000 people in the town. Like, you know, I took a walk around it, like we even went into the fish market. And, like, there was porpoise, uh, what was there, like, halibut, you know, all just, yeah. you know, just seeing that they're, like, laid out on the uh, on the, the shelves, like. Um,
0: and who, and who's buying that? Who, who like, if it's only 2,000, is the locals or do buyers come in and
1: buy it? Like, so basically there's two types. Essentially is you've got, for the local Inuits, you've got the hunters and the fishermen. So most of them are fishermen. They're all boat people. They're all seafaring people, mm. you know. And, um, you know, we'll hear it in a minute, actually, from France, who was a local Inuit working in the camp. In the sense of they basically catch the cod, so much cod out there. They have their quota, and that's you know how they live in terms of the money and all that. But then the hunters who go off actually was hunting season summertime. They basically go off into the interior and they catch the reindeer and the muskox for the winter. That's their food for the winter. So it's like primitive hunter gatherer type stuff. Like and so the shops. Uh, and again, you'll hear from um, Bjorn, who's a Danish chef who works in the, like, the supermarket. So basically, it's potatoes and rice. It's staples like that, that they're buying. You know what I mean? But the actual, the ordinary food, that's caught. That's all caught. So like if the hunters don't Potter catch, shop. yeah, if the hunters don't get their reindeer, the family mm. ain't eating for the winter, like, you know. Right. So, wow. Um, but I would say, let's maybe hear from France. France was a local Inuit, um, big bear of a guy, and he was working in the camp. And-
0: like I have, well, I've been in Lapland and the Sami people were, should we say, physically looked different. Did, did this guy France, did he look like, um like, did he look Danish or did he look like an Inuit?
1: No, he's an Inuit. Um, and even interestingly, one of the guys was telling us uh, from the camp the Inuits of Greenland, like, because I was asking, like, because Iceland's only two hours flight, right? Mm. Uh, it was a four hour flight from Copenhagen. I said, Is there any? And he says, Iceland is Europe. That might as well be New York to them. That basically, right. they, ha- ha- who they're actually genetically re- related to, yeah. are the Inuits of North America, Canada. Wow. So it's that side. If you can think of British Columbia, yep. that far yep. northeastern corner of Canada, that's where they associate and identify culturally with with that people. Um, so I got a chance to to chat to Franz, um, and here's just a kind of couple of minutes of it, just to kind of get an insight into kind of what his life was like, and just insights into kind of the local Greenland way.
2: Uh, we have a lot of uh, fishermen. They have their own boats, and they use net like. Cod fishing—it's coming into the nets. So they have a lot, maybe up to twenty tons for only one net. So the the last maybe five to ten years, they use a lot the uh, these nets. But mainly cod—is that cod is the main? Yeah, yeah. Um, and
1: char—not char, not salmon, no.
2: Not for selling. I mean, to produce something in factory, mm. but. The most is uh, only cut, But north in Greenland, it's halibut. Even I have been trying uh, in the ocean, try to catch some halibut. We have too many cut. So when I sink my la- line, uh, we all, even it's not the bottom, it's, I mean, we, we catch all the time cut. My grandfather, he was fisherman, but uh, my father, he, he also fishing, uh, I mean, when he was tall, he told me that the he, I mean, we helped together. Like my grandfather said to him and for me, uh, in summer we have to fishing, so we have to sleep maybe only three hours. We have to work in the winter, so we will sleep. And tell me this, you must think we're crazy.
1: Coming over here to fish with a fly rod and then put them back.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we never do that, but we just knew that we have a lot of fish and we always enjoy. But we, I don't normally. I never tried uh, fly fishing. Only that, uh, how do you call it? Spinning? spinning? Yeah. yeah
3: that's it.
1: So you think kind of maybe the way fishing is going it'll you know become less, and that it'll be
2: tourism will become the main maybe way of earning a living, yeah, I mean I think it's kind of good things that uh, not everybody's fishing and hunting and but the younger ones like uh, i'm forty one I know both, but uh, young like my friends some of my friends they don't know how to hunting or
0: is at there to, He sort of um, hiding back he more or less did think you were crazy coming here fly fishing and putting the fish back
1: oh yeah because for them it's fishing it, like go back to that hunter gatherer you know fishing yeah. is food and your yep. money simple as.
0: moving from France now but I gotta ask you did you eat the chair
1: Oh, we weren't allowed. what yeah you, could, to,
0: you aren't even allowed one i thought i uh, thought you were allowed to take one
1: yeah oh, you've hit a sore point now in the camp um <laughs> so yeah so we were asked we asked and yeah. basically we were told no it was too early in the season that the run hadn't come in enough now bear in mind right so this fishery the kangia river is probably we should probably <laughs> start talking about the fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. give people some insight so it's basically the Kangi river um and so it's basically this it's 10 kilometer stretch and at the top of it is a waterfall. so the, the 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 sea run arctic jar that come up the fjord can't go any further right
0: so they have that 10 kilometers and that's the sea run arctic jar.
1: yeah that's so that's their you, that's their zone well that's the stretch of the river there's nobody else on this so you yes. literally have this this river like there's rapids for the first bit and then there's this 10 kilometer stretch
0: how close was that to the the, the village of 2000 or the town of oh
1: mannestock was two hours by boat
0: oh, so you sorry sorry because we've I, I, i'm the worst interviewer in the world here i've jumped all over there. <laughs> sorry so when you got to mannestock you had to get a boat connection to the fishing lodge or exactly, fishing,
1: exactly. Yeah. so we had to hang we were hanging around the hotel for about 10 hours and we went to Manistoc and we were dropped right. off the hotel because you're waiting for the high tide yeah. to, to time it so that you can go up the fjord um, and it was only it was like 1 o'clock in the morning there was a humpback whale uh, I saw on the fjord as we were coming up wow. and so then we had to change to a dinghy because the water was getting so low to bring us around the kind of last headland to then where we climbed the steps up the kind of cliff face up to where the lodge was so you're like you know Total, total remote, like you know. And um, so, so, you had this lodge up here, and fair placement for finding and building it in, in the first place. Um, and so, this fish, the river, Kangi River, so zero Arctic char, there's about 180, I think it's said 180,000 fish come into it every year. So, that's the run of fish, And what happens is, there's a, they said literally the pools just, this this ball that just gets bigger and bigger and as the season goes on just stuffed with fish it gets to the stage even where some sometimes you can't fish because you're just snagging them all the time um, but i think when we got so basically the season was about a month behind so normally the lads would be getting into camp say in may to get it ready for i think it's the end of june start of july um but it was still frozen over by may and Correct. they weren't and they weren't able to get into it until June, so they said the summer was basically the run was about a month behind. So when we got there, it was almost more like spring fishing, that you were trying to find the the kind of the pods, the holes, the different stretches yeah. where the fish were going to be lying. But even then, it started warming up as we were getting there in the last few days. And you could there was one pool called Hollywood, and you just saw there was just this black ball that was just building day by day, and it was just the fish just wow just just school up and they just wait there. And then they spawn in October, late September, October. Mm. And then the the, the river fro- freezes over again for, for the winter time. Like, So you've got this window, this tank, and then you've got this 10 kilometre stretch and you've got 180,000 fish Thousand. coming into it. Like it's just...
0: And then what's the big, that you were too early so they couldn't, you couldn't take a fish? in?
1: Yeah, so that was, that was the official line.
0: All oh, right, yeah, well, that's the that's hey, that's it's their fishery,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got to have smoked Hollywood, smoked sound yeah. and it was on food, it was incredible, absolutely just yeah, off the yeah. Track. and It makes such a difference, you know, you've been fishing for eight, nine, ten hours a day, and then you come yeah. home, you're knackered, you have a beer, and there's just incredible food to lay there for you. So, I wanted to speak to Bjorn just about again, you know, I suppose nearly an outsider's perspective on what it's like uh, living in Greenland
3: if you like like the nature of course Greenland it's it's somewhere to go but it's also if you compare to Denmark it's maybe more relaxed and uh, you are here like expatriates to try to to train the the local staff and so one day maybe they can take over the your position because if you look at Manitsok that we are two thousand five hundred people, and I think we are hundred and around hundred Danes. But all the, like the hospital and the police, the supermarket, the plumber, the electrician, the the car, the selling cars and boat. All the shops are running by Danes. If you ask me, I think they the government have made a mistake because in the olden days the the school system was like like that the the school was running and it, it it was they were speaking danish all the time and uh, and then of course they could speak their own language at home to, with their parents but then the government tried to to, to change the system so now they are uh, to, talking greenland in in the school and they have only maybe 2 or 3 hours every week where they speak Dan- Danish and I think it's going to be very very hard for the next generation because I don't know what's going on with them, but I, I think it's it's uh, it's a school system because I find that it's it's very very hard to to let let uh, they don't want to to work to be honest I mean we have a, a fish factory and uh, uh, they bring in more, almost 20 tons of coat every day. The big fisher boat. And normally they have we there's three shifts for cutting and cleaning the the codes. But now they have switched down down to to one shift because there's no staff. And we still we have 20 percent in town without a job. But they don't want to work because they get paid for, they get money from the government. And the government, the the fish factory belong to the government, and now they have just employed twenty from China, because uh, the Greenland people don't want to to cut the fish and want to work.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, particularly a bit about that <laughs> the Greenlanders don't want to work. Uh, interesting. What was your take on that? I mean, me listening, to that sounds a bit like they they don't want to work. They they don't work. We bit, come over here and we work. They yeah. won't work.
1: Bit of a colonial kind of mindset, you can nearly yeah. say. But, but but you know, I haven't said that. It's funny. I was in a restaurant in Cashel at the weekend and same conversation, talking about the next generation. Can't get them, can't get staff. They don't want to work. You know, you, you hear stories in Ireland, you yeah. know, of, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> you
1: know, meat processing factories, you know, you can't get them, you have to get farm workers. You're here. And it, I just, the reason why I wanted I suppose, talk about at that point was. It's universal issues, whether it was Greenland, you know, having to yeah. get 30 Chinese into a factory in Greenland or whether it's factories in Ireland or wherever it is. Can't get staff, wherever you heard yeah. that one. Yeah,
3: Greenland,
1: yeah. Ireland, Europe, it's, you know, it's, it's still the same. But yeah, very kind of like Bjorn had some interesting things to say, you know, he, you know, he was anti kind of the way. The government had um, got rid of Danish, you know, and how they introduced, you know, reintroduced the Greenland language, and so again, there's a
0: whole, there's a whole thing of that. And you said, yeah, because like there's parallels there with uh, what was done in Ireland, like. But we could digress, like, we could go on there. But ah, yeah, you can, yeah. you, you can see the parallels there, but once again, it's you know, it's the old, it's a colonial thing. It is. You know? It is. Yeah, but for me, though, it
1: was interesting though when I, I when I was talking to friends and others about it was. Um, So what we were wondering, just us the anglers wondering, like, how much is Greenland going to change the next few years? Because there's a new international airport opening in Nuuk and there's going to be direct flights from the east coast of America for the first time flying into Greenland. And you just wonder, you know, and Fran says it like, you know, well, maybe, you know, tourism needs to develop more. You know, how many people really want to be going hunting and fishing anymore? The next generation, do they really want to be going off into the mountains for three months at a time when you can be an Airbnb host? <laughs> or, yeah, no, it's it's
0: it's very true. You know, I mean, if you can make your bucks that way. Yeah. You know, seriously, you know, who
1: uh, wants to hurt you? Who wants to again, hurt you? And again, that's, look, there's some parallels to car west of ireland there isn't there car you know what i mean yep. in terms of bringing in the kind of the foreign anglers you know that that was your money that would do you like you know. yeah
0: no, very much so yeah i know you can understand where they're coming from that's very interesting that they're going to have direct flights yeah from it's uh, sort of making me think god i want to get there soon
1: yeah and that was what we were saying <laughs> like the lads in the group like we were just kind of saying god i wonder is this are you going to start seeing helipads around the place instead of hiking yeah, yeah. over mountains like you know um but it's funny even talk like in the fishery and the land, I was just saying, that like, this must have been what it was like 100, 200 years ago in Ireland, in the West, where there was, you know, rivers stacked full of fish, you know, less people. um You know, well, okay, 100 years ago, not, but 200 years ago, maybe. But, like um up. but you know, just going back in time, you know, it was like kind of this is the way it must have been, you know, in terms yeah. of untouched fisheries. like
0: That must have been actually... Fantastic to see, witness, eh? and to actually have yourself in a position where you you start. God, this is what where I'm from must have been like.
3: You yeah. know,
0: yeah, that that must have been fantastic. It really was. Yeah. Uh, now, I wanted to ask you because you mentioned on it there after we've been talking, with the Danish chef. You said the food was good.
1: Yeah. oh fantastic, it was yeah? fantastic. Oh, yeah. it's just like like I said, it just made such a difference. at The end of the day, just to have such good food, and you know, you can. Just... Can I actually say though the best thing? Right, one of the best things. And it was a real surprise. The reaction from everybody when I tell them afterwards was: there was no mobile phone signal, there was no internet, there was no Wi-Fi, nothing. There was a satellite phone in dire case of emergency if somebody you know, died or whatever, like yeah. or somebody needs contact. And so, breakfast, table and dinner, we all had to sit around and talk. And it God, was, that like, must
0: have been awful. You mean you couldn't check WhatsApp?
1: <laughs> you couldn't we, do
0: Wordle.
1: We, we couldn't even ask Alexa. You know what's the name of that song in, <laughs> from 1972? But like it was brilliant it was so refreshing um, and it's funny when i tell everybody since i've come back and i tell them that and everybody's reaction was oh that must have been amazing mm. it's so funny like we're all like oh i wish i could do that you know that it was like a time 20 years ago pre-internet where we were just checking our phones and the gas thing yeah. was as soon as we got back to the, the the hotel back we were all straight onto our phones ignoring each yeah. other you know, but like we had a sing song one of the nights, um, Roman, yeah. great guy, <laughs> he's a doctor. He had brought uh, the, 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 the boombox with him and downloaded loads of songs. And uh, one of the nights we just had an impromptu sing song and I hadn't sung in about 20 years. And it was just, I mean, and even the Greenland people in the, in the kitchen, I believe, were listening and they were fascinated because I think they were saying in their culture, you know, singing, it's a lot of kind of similarities. They heard us singing about the old times, you know, yeah, the, yeah. You know, the famine, the crown, whatever. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it was almost for them. They could, you know, were taken back with it as well. Like, so yeah, it was amazing. Um, were you, if, if anything, were,
0: were, were most of the party Irish?
1: So there was, um, myself, kind of know, three lads from Cork who were great. Crack the three lads, Cork lads, shout out to the lads from Cork. It was just, I'd say they made the trip without blowing smoke and they'd be loving this, but like, they, yeah made the trip like the crack was mighty and mm. it takes takes the paddies i think to uh, <laughs> to go on to drink the whiskey the beer have the yeah. same song to be cursing fecking and just Brilliant. having the, having yeah. the crack like, so. yeah. um, and it was a couple of english lads as well and also two germans herman and horst shout out to them mm. uh herman 70 year old man for the last 20 years has been going to alaska and rafting down rivers in alaska with a group of people he was literally just back from alaska he flies from germany to anchorage gets his kit his tents, yeah. fishing kit they get a plane which takes them to the interior of alaska and for the next two weeks they raft camp out and catch fish going down the alaskan rivers he's 70 years of age and he's doing herman, herman. good man herman if you're listening
0: Ganz toll, Herman.
1: Wie komme ich am besten zum Bahnhof, bitte? Yeah. I told her that was the best I learned after three years. For anyone that doesn't know, that means, what's the best way to the train station, please? <laughs> but they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. They used to fish the um, Moy and the Drows, like in, oh, the right. yeah. in, the, in the 80s, um, but now they're going to Alaska and Greenland. And Place like, so well, places like
0: this have opened up now.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. But in fairness, right, but he did say compared to a lot like Alaska was as remote, but he said yeah. there, he said, was never as more difficult because you can get direct flights from Frankfurt to Anchorage. Right. Um, but even just a word as well on the fishers to so the lodge. You had a 3K hike over a mountain to get to the river. So if, every morning you'd have to get up. <laughs> you're like, literally, it's only 3K it sounds, but you're literally hiking over mountains. mountain.
0: Wow, so... The lodge is 3k from the
1: river. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, no, the river is right below you, but the actual fishing stretch, yeah. Like you know, three Ks over the mountain. So, so and like you would all set off
0: together. You, the river will be allotted to different people, I presume. You would take dibs or what, different beats. Yeah. What, would you, what would you bring? What were well, you know, Here's the this is for people who are interested in going chess waiters. You're walking in chess waiters.
1: Yeah, so basically what you would do is the first day is you'd bring, like, basically your backpack. It was the first day and the last day were the kind of toughest hikes because you were yeah. full of kids. So you'd have your waders, your rods, mm. your, your gear for the week, essentially. Your mo- mozzie net, very important.
0: That uh, was the next question. There are mosquitoes there, are right
1: there? Yeah, but we ah. actually got very lucky because it was still early in the season. Like, yeah. the weather was yeah. like a shite Irish April weather, like cold and wet and miserable. Right. And the last few days was starting to brighten up, and you could see the muzzies start to come out, and you know, whack yourself. And one of the lads got an awful bite in the ear, and it looked manky. But um, yeah, yeah, we were lucky. Like how you know, I believe it's like a hundred times worse. But yeah, so you you hike over with your um, your pack. The first morning you hike with your pack, yeah. it out there what do you do yeah so they've got a tent there which is essentially base camp so you leave your rods and leave your waders, all that stuff hanging up
0: Ah, Um,
1: and and so basically every day what you're just doing is you bring in your lunch your water and even in the water you just fill from the the rivers anyway um and yeah you just and you have your flies and you're away you go and what what uh, this is the next thing what uh kits were you using single-handed so some lads are single-handed i brought a switch i had a seven eight switch um, and it actually was probably better in terms of the conditions. That kind of nearly spring-like conditions. You know,
0: it was. a windy?
1: Part sometimes, not really. Yeah, uh, yeah. River River was still quite high, um, right? So I found the switch a great help. Um, yeah. Lads were on single handers as well, um, and yeah. and the way it would work then is you'd be. Di- we were divided up into two groups, so we were given a tour of the, the fishery the first day, given the maps, and basically then the next day it was divided. So it's one group would start lower stretch in the morning then you'd start in the upper stretch and then after two o'clock then it was free to kind of go wherever you wanted like so the
0: bit that was the furthest away did did you get that
1: yeah so they so they gave us a tour the first day so they brought us right up as far as the waterfall How? yeah uh, it was yeah it was amazing um, how did they do that just hiking through the bush like so, oh, like, so they, they actually you actually walked it Oh, the first day I my watch, so I had my watch on, and I, I don't measure the steps right now. It's like, I think at the day, it was finally when we got back to lodge, I think it was on 45,000 steps. Wow. <laughs> it's like, right. like, so, like, you can imagine, like, the first day, first day was, like, an hour's hike to base camp, and then by the time we were stopping, starting know, and Lawson was giving us yeah. the lowdown on, on the kind of the pools and all that kind of stuff, and by the time we got to the waterfall, it was probably another hour and a half, two hours so it's like it was a long day and then you kind of we made our way back down then um so but like you know yourself human nature we all invariably ended up fishing within like probably a 15 20 minute walk of base camp you know yeah and you mentioned the 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 guide lawson great guy welsh guide, grew up um fishing the the sea trout rivers didn't get the river actually fish but fishing sea trout fantastic angler so knowledgeable um
0: You, you talked to him didn't you
1: yeah, exactly. So look, we might just hear from Lawson here and um, he just gives us a bit of an insight into kind of his own career and what it's like being a guide uh, in Greenland. Pipe for
4: the Well is quite a physical job uh, working in a lot of dirty environments, long hours working away from home. I just wanted to, and I not really enjoy the work, I just wanted to, they always say do a job you love. Uh, so that's why I just decided to make the change and obviously
1: one you never regretted, I'm sure.
4: Absolutely not. No, I mean, what a lifestyle to live. I mean, I spend most of my life either in Argentina or here. It's fantastic.
1: What's it like for you then after the season finishes, like you go back home and it's like, you know, is it almost like the kind of military life in the sense of you have to get back used to civilian life. Does that take a while to kind of tune back into society?
4: Uh, at first it did. Uh, now we quite in a condition to it. Um, so when I'm home, uh, my daughters live away from home. Um, one lives on Isle of Man, the other in England. So I like to spend a little time with them, uh, what time I can anyway. Uh, I also look after my mother a little. She's getting a little bit elderly. And just take time out. You need, but when you're working in these intense environments for long periods like we do, you need that time out. The last thing I do when I finish a program is to go home and go fishing. I mean, I've not fished back home in over 10 years. The biggest part of it is people skills, isn't it? Yeah, certainly um, you have to assess each client psychologically uh, and manage each one differently. Some like a lot of input, some like very little, and you have to gauge that. So the first one or two days of each week is gauging the clients for sure and and how, how to react to them and what they want. Do you think
1: Greenland's going to change in the foreseeable future because there's direct flights coming now from America, Europe? Would you be worried about how it might potentially change? It's going to get more popular and it's
4: certainly becoming uh, a new destination on a lot of destination anglers' radar. Especially with the... You have a lot of rods that are used to going to Russia every year and I I think uh, the problems there... Um, benefit that the other destinations around the world mm-hmm. uh, we certainly have a lot more interest but I I don't think that's due to that issue I just think uh, places are becoming more valuable on on these destinations mm-hmm. and a, a lot of anglers book the same week year after year after year so it's places become tight yeah.
1: especially during peak seasons yeah. Final question, uh, Lawson. What's the best and worst part of the job here?
4: I don't think there is a worst or a best. Um, We embrace everything about the job, whether it's the physical side. Um, I mean, sometimes we we have to move some. Obviously, we have to bring uh, supplies and luggage from from the steps, the base of the steps, which is quite a physical task. Uh, sometimes in the early hours, it can be a bit daunting when you have to get up early the next morning. But to be honest with you, it's all part of the experience. And we just embrace what we do because we love what we do.
0: That's really the ultimate and guiding, isn't it? You know, I mean, yeah.
1: I tell you, some experience I can so some angler, in just in terms of insights into the river. And a couple of things that would struck me was one is, and look, you know, well, there's the psychology. It's the psychology of the job. Mm.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, like, so I felt he was quite kind of standoffish for kind of the first day or two. But I think he was just getting the source of everyone. And then I kind of got to know him, got chatting to him by the end of the week. And he was helping me with my cast and then helped me to read the kind of different currents. And I found him brilliant. And, you know, he was, he was just a really cool guy like to, to chat to, like, um, but tough, tough life. Um, like
0: oh, you know, I was just thinking there, I was just thinking it's,
1: it's, it's almost nomadic.
0: You know, yeah, uh, it, yeah, yeah, it really is. Because like, you know, I mean, he talks there and that the other end of the season, he's off to the southern hemisphere, off yeah. to Argentina. And yeah. he's those gaps that he talks in between where he comes back and sees his mother, sees yeah. his daughter. And then he's then he's off again. He and says, but,
1: it, but it's not even like you're in a place where there's no Internet, there's no connection. Yeah. So, like, I think what Lawson used to do was so once a week, Felix who's the cap manager who we will hear from in a minute. He would go to meet the next group, you know, in Manistock in the hotel and you bring them in the boat. So that was the only time where there was Internet connection. And I think Felix would actually take Lawson's phone where he would download and send any messages. It was like literally, you know, pen and paper where it used to be writing letters. And you'd get a reply in a week's time, you know, and like that's the only way to keep contact like, you know, Um, and then every day, like I mentioned that hike over the mountain, like physically, you know, I'd be fit. Yeah, you find it physically demanding because a you're up you know you you get up at seven in the morning have your breakfast you make your lunch you're gone by eight you're on the river by nine you're fishing until six you hike back you're physically tired you're on the water the whole day you look you know this yeah and then I was thinking I only have to do that for a week like Lawson's doing that for 12 weeks of the year
0: (laughs) Is that a, it's a twelve-week stint? He does that. I think it's a twelve-week, yeah,
1: between getting the camp ready and all that kind of stuff, like you know. And he must be as fit as a fiddle. Oh yeah, I and mean, he's fifty-eight, like looks yeah twenty years younger. Like yourself, Tom. But, yeah, yeah, it's just the guy. <laughs> <did> it. <laughs> it's all that, it's all that air. It's all good for you. All that, no, it's
0: all that psychology and summon up people as soon as <laughs> yeah. You <see> uh,
1: it's, <laughs> and that's what I found fascinating, like just chatting to him about it. Um, and and then he gets home for a couple of couple of weeks, couple of months, and then he's over to Patagonia, and he told me, like, he's over in Patagonia now this year, from the 19th of December on, that's the week before Christmas, wow and, you know, you're at it again, then you do that until whatever it is, March, April, like come home for a rest, it's like being in the military, like, you know in the that actually. yeah, Yeah. it's like civilian life, yeah, and it is, isn't that? and then somebody, somebody else was telling me that some of the guides, not with this lodge, but some of the guides then when they finish Patagonia they go to Bolivia up to the jungle. Yeah. For yeah. another few for I was like, gee, god. Be a great documentary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Be great, great actually, yeah. Yeah. So it's a tough
0: life. It's a tough life. I once thought about it, I once thought about it and nearly at one stage could, could have gone into it, but I didn't.
1: I'm happy, I'm happy you're indoors. The next time I hear you complaining about how tough it is, guiding and Carl. <laughs> I just mentioned Lawson Jones Greenland to you.
0: OK, well, you know, I could counter with something, but, you know, I'd be held up for libel for some of the things I'd say. <laughs> but it does sound tough. I mean, like when he said, because uh, he, he mentioned the steps there and you'd mentioned about the steps earlier on up the thing and he's carting all the stuff up there straight away. Like, you know, at the start. Yeah. So and this is, was
1: this was one o'clock in the morning. We arrived. It was. Rain and the rocks were slippy, mm. you know, and like the changeover, yeah. and, you know. And he's dealing with us. We were like straight to the bar, two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bags would be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh God. So, might just hear actually. Felix it was the camp manager. Yeah, um, German guy. Um, and just before I played, very calm guy. Um, you know. So he was kind of responsible for the overall smooth running of the camp 33 years of age a uh, great great guy really interesting it doesn't we don't you don't hear it in this part of the interview and uh, that we chose it but he was previously uh playing with eintracht frankfurt in the bundesliga under 17s now he didn't make right. it, fact, he, was yeah. cap, he was captain of the up to under 17 level and oh. he got got an ankle injury so he played with tom played against thomas muller and that world cup generation yeah uh got an ankle injury and that ended his football career but he stayed working with Eintracht Frankfurt in business development or something up until six years ago but he was always he said he was always fishing always going on trips um and he actually mentioned to me how one time he was like two weeks late for pre-season because he went on a fishing trip to Alaska so he kind of <laughs> said maybe that was kind of the sign that football <laughs> was, you know? um and yeah and then six years ago he's just Was working with solid and guiding and running the camp now so really what i always found is there was so many interesting stories to people and that's Mm. what i loved about this um and you just get so many like like i said danish inuit welsh German. yeah you know it was just and that for me was just part of it so we might just we'll hear from felix now um who was the camp manager uh, at kanky it's uh,
5: certainly not a not an area that uh, you you hear of when you go to a, a university and they tell you well um you know this could be your future job i think <clears throat> it's getting more and more popular because uh, you know because of social media people realize it's uh, it can be a job um but for me it just came along while I was doing my hosted trips I realized okay there is a way to uh, earn also money but um, as you might uh, know it's of course not a business where you get uh, you're going to be a millionaire in the future so it's about the passion uh, but yeah I mean if you do a good job I think you can make a living and um, there are certain people who, um, who are a role model in that kind of industry
1: it's a tough life at the same time because it's very much based around these short seasons you know you're away from the world you're away you know some people might say that's a good thing anyway but you're away from so it's very focused you know we're in absolute wilderness here there's no internet um is it something that is 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 easy easier to do in just short bursts you know um as opposed to you know it's not 12 months of the year yeah i think it's important
5: actually because <clears throat> you um you know it's it's a very intense it's a very intense job so you usually have a seven day week um at least for me very often you don't really have a day off and um so it's good to know okay this is my nine to i don't know maybe 14 weeks um i i have to work this life is sometimes makes you feel uncomfortable but you get strong and
1: um i presume you're not kind of thinking too far ahead but what does the future hold for you in the next few years well yeah um
5: i as you said i'm i'm not trying to plan too much uh, ahead because you know we learned uh, things can change quickly but you know i i really love this at the moment being uh, being in this role, being on place uh, during the season, um, because it you know gives you great, like you exp- you have a great experience afterwards. And um, but in in the long term, I see myself maybe who knows maybe more on a on a on a more upper level when it comes to uh, operating how to operate destinations from. From a, from a far basis somewhere and then seeing those places every now and then also maybe hosting clients uh, on place so like more managing it from the outside um because i mean i think there's a time for everything at the moment it fits very well to my lifestyle that i can be on place but uh, in yeah maybe in a few years it's uh it's going to be different and obviously you you want to have a basis again at home so um that would be great but hey i mean <laughs> you never know i mean uh maybe i'm gonna end up somewhere somewhere else uh but my goal is to to stay in the industry because i i like it there are great people around and um i enjoy it
1: you certainly won't be in a suit and a tie sitting at a computer. That's for sure. <laughs> no,
5: I, 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 try to to get away from that. I have to say so. And suit and tie is definitely not for me, for sure.
0: Yeah, you really get the sense there, Dara. I mean, like you have to. Hats off to him. Like he's gone and he's doing something he wants to do.
1: Simple as that. And do you know what? And that's what I love about kind of maybe trips like this is where you just meet people who go off and do their own thing. You know, like, and that's you know the last comment there, but yeah, the suit and tie, he's not, you know, he's going against the tide, you know, and I said it to him, you you don't hear it there in the interview, because I said to him about, you know, when he wants to get into the fly fishing, Mm. because don't forget, he was working in business development for a a top Bundesliga football Yeah, it's amazing. So he was going around the world, Asia, Europe, America, meeting, you know, companies doing all that and decided not, not for me.
0: If he ever wears a suit and tie again, it's because he wants to
1: yeah
0: <laughs> and not because he has to
1: yeah there you go you know yeah yeah, yeah. No, so, great. and only 33 and yeah just and like you don't hear there's he's he sold his apartment in germany wow. so you mentioned the nomadic lifestyle So yeah. he said like camp finishes he's nowhere to go <laughs> like he basically wow Well, obviously visits his parents visits his friends but he's like literally just nomadic in, in that true sense of the word like but so again Felix, if you're listening you know, I'll be looking out for a future career. Don't ever wear that suit inside. <laughs> man, Felix.
0: So, come here we've avoided it up until now. What was the fish like?
1: <laughs> oh my oh, oh, god, oh, that was all right. Like you know, one or two fish a day. Like you know, that was like, you no, it was, uh, no, it was just yeah. It was first day. You're kind of getting to grips with it. You know, just getting to read the pools and you know, ironing out kind of any you know kinks that needed ironing out mm. by a second third day you're just getting into the flow but you're catching 15 20 fish a day you know just so they were mainly fresh so you think of the arctic char and you think of the orange and the reds and they're the yeah. ones in the, the, the river a good while yeah and that's the ones that you kind of the iconic kind of pictures. Um, mm. But be, like I said, because the season had started late, the fish that were there were ninety percent fresh, so they were silver. They're
0: silver, aren't they? Yeah,
1: they're bright silver. Fried, yeah. silver. And, it's, and funny enough, there's no difference between the kind of fight off the fresh ones or the the kind of older ones, the ones that are there in the river longer. And um, because you know, you, one goes off, you think, oh, it's a fresh one. It actually, you wouldn't really tell. Yeah. But, the fight Lawson says it. he says they're the hardest he says they're the hard, hardest fighting fish um he's come across and um, people have said like yeah. hardest, I've never fished bone fishing I've never fished but yeah the, compared to that you get one and you're down to your backing like in seconds and you're like especially the first few times you're like oh I'm into a record fish here this is it yeah I've got I've got a double figure here and it's a four pounder <laughs> Serious, yeah, it just it's gone, and it's it's like, and you're kind of so. The average weight you were catching was four to five pounds, but like, so some of them are just like you know, maybe every other second one was just took off. If they got into the channels, they were gone.
0: And did they run downstream or upstream, or did it it vary
1: downstream? So, yeah, they they tried getting into the channels, the fast channels on the yeah. they were gone. They were absolutely gone. And some Sometimes the bigger guys would just sit there. You know, the ones kind of a bit like salmon, maybe. Yeah. You just, pff, yeah, I'm not moving. You can try and pull me out if you want to, like. Um. But generally, yeah. And, you know, they were just, like I said, my, I actually recorded, right, the last morning. Remember we yeah. spoke before? I said, oh, well, I yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Excellent. Yeah. So I was, I was delighted I got the interview with the guys in the camp. Uh, and then I decided just anyway, I, I stuck the Zoom recorder into my waiter's so there's a bit of wind and there's a bit of, kind of noise around, but I just kind of, I actually recorded it, it was about an hour of me just talking to myself. The other guys just thought I was nuts by that stage anyway, so it didn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, we might just hear, I I, I, I caught a, the, the char and I just kind of talked through and you kind of get a sense of kind of the fish going off the reel and just the whole experience of it.
6: Are we in? Yeah. Silver one. See if I can get it, it's in the channel. Yeah. Nice fish. And he's gone into the deeper water now. He's trying to, oh, to head downstream, pulling the line off the reel. We're gonna have to bully this one. Right, oh, he's heading down. We're heading into the backing now. Yeah do not want to uh, get spilled with this experience I had before. So we're gonna try and pull this in. Bring them back up the channel. Now this is, could be three, four pound fish and he's brought me down to the backing. They're just incredible fish. You have to bully them when I was first catching them at the start of the week. You're just kind of tentative, but now you really do kind of have to, you know, you know, he's not interested yet. He's back into the deeper water, starting to tire now. Beautiful fish!
0: I, I, I love the bear. Oh, there's the backing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, sorry. I because I, I, I got the feeling listing there that that wasn't the first one that, that well, got backing you see because it really, was the first one like you
1: said who was the backing <laughs> right. every day like every. Yeah. And there was one the last it was funny right so one took off right it was probably the third or fourth day I was there yeah. uh, absolute shock and I looked down I was down to the backing and I said Jesus I better better keep an eye on this here and I looked from me thinking that Looking back down at the reel, I saw the very last bit of the backing and I went, uh oh, and all I heard was bing. Are you, are you serious? Yeah. The backing came off. I jumped right. I grabbed, I managed yeah. to grab the, the piece of the backing, right? Yeah. Those lads on the far side of the bank saw what was going on, and they so they started handlining the fish in for me, right? So literally. Pulling it. So there's me, right? So I'm the other side of the bank. I'm trying to like <laughs> retie the backing to the spool, right? Well, does this fish go nuts on the other side that the lads are handlining? Literally hand-lining in. They landed it. The fish was still on. Whoa. It, was a, it was and a, you got your fly line. And I got my fly line. I fish. That was the right That's right. all I was thinking about. I was like, I'm not facing another two <laughs> yeah. hours having to hike back to get another spool line. Yeah. So um got it up. It was only
0: a four-pounder. Wow. Uh, Camille, uh, what was the biggest one you got?
1: Uh, it was close, one to, you got? close to seven.
0: Seven, right. Yeah, and, what, was... and what seven, was, was he fresh as well?
1: well yeah, fresh he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And how did he fight? He just stayed down. He was just yeah, like, that not moving. He was like, yeah come, yeah, come take me if you want. Like, you know, yeah. um, it wasn't happening. Like, so it was, yeah, it was kind of. But then when I saw the fish, I was like, well, what a beauty. Yeah. I don't know if I sent that picture on to you. No, I didn't see it, no. Um, I, haven't,
0: I haven't seen any. Of the, oh, hold on. I did see the picture. I don't think the picture is the seven pounders, is that?
1: I think it was my inability to do the old proper grip and grain where it's like, you know, facing down.
0: Oh god! And it, yeah. and it looks and
1: it looks twice as big as it really is. Um, I must send you a picture. Actually, Lawson is holding it as well. He he was doing right. it properly. He was doing uh, it properly. Yeah. He it was looked, doing it the way I do it. You see? Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> big face into the camera. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, it looks like a seven pounder, like you know. yeah. But yeah, um, yeah and, amazing.
0: And come here. What was the biggest fish taken by ever um, for the week? Is that that is seven? Eight it was miles? in around
1: yeah. It was a seven, seven. Like so, it was a couple of lads kind of had sevens. So I mean, not that's like or low sevens, you know what I mean? Like mine yeah. was probably lost. Was Kirby giving it like six and three quarters, like twitching, you know. So it was in or around right. seven, like
0: and uh, here. we're talking about there. So you're fishing a switch, but no, the rest of it, why were you using A
1: floater? Floater, but because the river was high, yeah, we were on um fast sinkers. And even fast sinking the, tips? fast, fast sinking tips, yeah.
0: Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so five just, five foot, ten foot, or what?
1: Five foot. You wanted to get it down as quick as possible. So, so basically, five foot tip. Yeah, you're casting yeah. square across.
0: Yeah, you're
1: doing immediately like three or four ups, upstream ends, upstream end, upstream end, yeah. upstream end then it starts to come around and then the I hadn't done it before is actually i think it's a scandi size is it where you're pulling the rod back and forth just yeah to, yeah yeah just to give the movement and then when it's coming through then you're kind of figurating and stripping across like um you were catching them everywhere like between when it first landed to the dangle you know you're catching them all across it like you know we're
0: you catching them on the swing across though yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah? I then even i kind a of few. like as soon as it splashed down um, but then so then and the fly we were catching with green highlander was the one single barbas. green high, highlander kind of like a lot of the flies are kind of like um what would you call them like woolly bugger type you know oh, yeah. Kind of style, like, yeah 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 um, yeah streamer type um, and what
0: size are we talk about
1: tens eights sixes no, sixes, sixes sixes yes yeah, they're sixes, big enough yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think see, I think it was a lot, of, again, it was very unusual for the time of year we went that it was high water like that. Right. So it was all about just get it down, sink it as fast as you can. And,
0: and the tippet strength, what we use in 12-pound
1: 20-pound. No, 20, 20 20. Right. because of the that time of year, like, you know.
0: Right. Uh, um, I just wonder there, actually, so 20-pound, but uh case I forget, you mentioned the water. How clear was the water?
1: Ah, Crystal. Uh, yeah crystal. It was incredible. But really interesting then they would switch off. So so you could get you could get to a pool and you cast in, say, your Green Highlander, and you're getting a fish a cast, and you're like, cracked it. Yeah. (laughs) This is it. And then an hour later, they switch off. Mm -hmm. And I remember Lawson saying to me, Okay, put on a pink fly. And again, it was just something different. Yeah, yeah. Put it on first cast, you get a fish. But you might, they mightn't go for it again, you know, or you might only catch a few other ones. And then, the,
0: the initial change would
1: spark one or two exactly, with them on. Exactly. And then, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And then, very interesting,
1: actually. Yeah. yeah. And then the Hollywood pool, which was the one that was with the, the big black um, ball yeah, that was just getting fish. bigger and bigger as, as yeah. the week would go on. Um, so the lads who'd been fishing it the day before, they said it was on fire. They were like, "It's on fire!" They said tomorrow. Yeah. So we were fishing it the next morning. They were like, "Oh, you're going to clean up the river's getting lower." It's yeah. so we get there full of anticipation, literally running up to the spot,
0: <laughs> tripping like, over one another,
1: <laughs> and we're literally like, "Now, I mean, like, just shows you like we weren't we were catching them maybe one every five or six casts, but we weren't catching them every other cast or every cast. We're like. What the hell's going on and Lawson was there with us and he was like I don't know what's going on my friend it's my buddy it's they've switched off and uh, so we were like oh for God's sake so anyway I had lunch right and so we were like I said like we probably caught 10 by lunchtime you know what I mean mm. like here's us complaining we've caught 10 fish of
0: only 10
1: of four to five pounds yeah yeah so it was like so anyway we have our lunch you know sitting down half an hour later I said I oh, you know what I'm gonna try a different stretch. So Noel and Glenn come in <laughs> Lawson tells me as soon as they hit it, the, 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 it was on fire. Like are you serious? Yeah. So it's almost as if you know, again you just kind of rest the pool, you know, like you know, like anything, like whether it's like salmon or whatever, or try you know, you rest it, give them a rest, and then they switch back on, and sure they were hitting it on fire, like you know. So it was just yeah, it was it's funny between like the fishing was amazing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But the memory, like, I'm kind of caught, like, the memories for me are twofold. One is the fishing is incredible, and, you know, I want to go to, like I said, far-flung destinations. Now. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it was the adventure. Yeah. It was just being outside your comfort zone, you know, the, the physical hike, the three-day trip, the no Wi-Fi, no internet.
0: I really like that, actually.
1: And It's just, like I said, it was like a monastic retreat, as I compared it to, yeah. like, you know, a bit of that. Having to
0: talk to other people at dinner table. Yeah, same yeah. song. It's like, I haven't yeah. sung
1: in twenty years. Like, and yeah, uh, yeah like I'd say, I think everybody, if you can, just try and do it. And if you're into fly fishing, you know, I presume you are if you're listening to this podcast. It's you'd like to think so. Yeah, exactly. Like, or else <laughs> i have switched off a long time ago. Um, it's yeah, it's that sense. Of, like, this is my first kind of international fishing trip. So, like I said, if you can do it just try to do it once you know experience well, it
0: your appetite is whetted now so ah. that's it now. yeah so so we're, we're next patagonia
1: well do you know it's funny so remember I, we, we spoke before about a local bucket list yeah yeah Fuck that i'm like <laughs> i don't care about the moy anymore <laughs> yeah, <like. okay. laughs> I,
0: right i'm gonna ask you this question again about november december right Okay, and you go. Oh, maybe you might. <laughs>
1: I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's an experience to be able to do it. Like, um, but like I said, the fishing was only part of it. You
0: know. Yeah, the, I, I can get totally what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, particularly, particularly when you you relate what what it was like out there. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but you know that's that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, so they say that about fishing? It does bring you to some amazing places.
1: But it, it brings you also places for yourself you know um, yeah yeah, very, that, yeah like like when I spoke to Felix about it like I was saying you know you kind of it's just you yourself that's it you know yeah. um, and it was so refreshing not waking up checking your phone you mm. know funny enough the world went on without us you know <laughs> um, horror. you know <laughs> and people coped in my absence
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) didn't think they would but but, uh, yeah amazing Amazing.
1: i'm not so important in this world after all (laughs) so do you know what i'm only just going to go fishing more now as a result like see that's it now yeah it's just
0: reiterated that
1: completely exactly So geez
0: i have to say that sounded absolutely amazing it really has now it's um i'm gonna have to put it in my bucket list now i i still i still have the local bucket list i haven't Throw mine out the door. Oh,
1: I've thrown mine out. That's good.
0: No, no, I still and I have the, the the big bucket list. But like hearing you talk about that, it sounds sounds as if it was absolutely amazing. It really does. So I, yeah. I hope
1: I've whetted the appetite for people. Um, but I would say just the one thing that made it was the people. Like I said, I didn't know most of them, hmm. um, and just they were brilliant. You know that's what made it. I, I can only imagine if you were kind of a small and I think the guys were saying is the camp guys are saying it's all oh, those weeks always work better. There's 12 anglers, 12 rods. Yeah where if you're one group, whereas if it's made up of maybe a group of two, group of three, group of two, it's much more disparate, split up, you know, little groups. We were just yeah. and it just made it like it just really, really made it like so. Yeah. Shout out to all the lads. Um, you know, the L Triangle Duet was we did it, we did it well. <laughs> we're, we're, I'll, t-
0: uh, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> okay. I believe you about the fishing, but you know.
1: <laughs> and I say there's two words yacht rock. They'll know what I mean.
0: Okay, there's the code, gentlemen, there it is. <laughs> he has said it. <laughs>
1: so yeah so that was my trip we'll have to get back to Irish fly fishing next time but I hope, I hope, I hope look I hope you've got some idea and I hope other people have got an idea mm-hmm. listening to it um, I know we went off in a bit of a this was slightly different episode but you know I think maybe it was it was worth it just to kind of give people a kind of a taster of look, what, yeah I hope,
0: I hope people have got a gist from it I, I, well, I think I've got a little bit of a gist from just talking to you about it so I hope that's come across yeah. uh, really do yep so that's it for this week's Ireland on the Fly Greenland special normal service will resume next time but don't forget to rate review and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your
1: podcasts from plus you can keep up to date on Ireland on dot com as well as on Instagram and myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland or Greenland <laughs> Greenland on the Fly <laughs> Greenland on the Fly yeah <laughs> I have no problem <laughs> Greenland Tourist Board can fly me over
0: The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable
1: wherever you are in Ireland the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon
0: and to help you improve your catch rate this season we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tyre, Jackie Mann.
1: If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to wwwirlandontheflycom forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes.
0: If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.